welcome to the Songsmith Podcast, the podcast where you can discover new music and the stories behind that music. I am your host, James Ippoliti. Each week on this podcast, I invite songwriters on to discuss their new music, the stories behind it, and get you interested in learning about these wonderful talents. And what I do now is there is a playlist on Spotify. There is a playlist on Apple Music called The Songsmith Podcast Season 1. And every week, I put a song from my guest onto that playlist, which will allow you to go dig deeper into the collection of songs that they create. So I hope you uh, support all these artists' wonderful fun, exciting artists that come and give me the pleasure of speaking with them. I can't tell you how grateful I am of you listening to this podcast, but also for the artists coming on to speak to me. It really means the world to me to have them on and also for you to listen and discover new music. My guest on this edition of the Songsmith podcast is Aaron McKeown and she just released a full-length album called Kiss Off Kiss. I enjoyed the hell out of this album. I'm sure you will, too. Now, the really cool thing about this album is that it's a pay-what-you-can digital download on Bandcamp or on her website. So if you have a short attention span, pause this podcast now and go to Bandcamp and find Erin McKeown or go to her website you could just Google Aaron McK, it'll show up, Mick, M-C-K-E-O-W-N, and go buy this digital download. You're going to hear the story behind why it is Pay What You Can, but come on, pay what you can for a whole album? This is ridiculous. You're silly if you don't do this, so I'm going to let you pause it and come back after you downloaded it and paid what you could. I mean, you could go... Whatever you pay for a coffee, go do it. Support musicians, but there's a cool reason why you want to do this, uh, and you're going to hear in the podcast. Now, if you don't have a short attention span, if you're not like that little goldfish in Ani DeFranco's song, then you can wait till after this and just go and do it. That's your homework, all right? If you're really good at remembering things, your homework for after this is to go download a Pay What You Can album it's an amazing album, and you know what? Pay what you can doesn't necessarily mean you only can pay a dollar. You can, but you could pay $100, right? That's what's really cool about pay what you can. I wonder if this could become a thing, you know? You know, like pay what you can. Hey, you know, like um, somebody like Bill Gates, he can pay probably 500000 right, for an album. That's what he can pay. Maybe you can only pay 50 cents or something. I don't know, but... You really should do this because this pay it for it's a pay it forward album. You're going to hear the story. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of this conversation, mostly the moments where we crack each other up. I ha I think this conversation could have gone on for another hour probably, um, but I try to keep these short. This actually went longer than I expected, but what a great conversation! Well, I love when I the energy from the music matches the energy of the person. They are just so enjoyable to listen to musically and in real life, just having a conversation. So that's how I felt talking with Erin. And I really hope you enjoy this as much as I do. She is going on tour. You can go look on her website, find her tour dates. And just to make sure 
you complete your homework, I will make sure everything I just said is in the show notes. So, you know, you don't have to remember everything I just said. I'll put it in the show notes. And one other thing, I always have to uh, make my corrections because after the interview, I go back and I'm like, oh, that's not right. So in the conversation, I make a claim that David Bowie wrote a song for Bob Dylan and Bob Dylan did not like it. It's the song for Bob Dylan on Hunky Dory. It's sort of true. I messed up. It's Andy Warhol. It's on the same Hunky Dory album. He wrote the song for Andy Warhol, and Andy Warhol didn't like the song. So I want to make that correction because I can't live with myself if I say something wrong and I don't correct it. So that is out of the way. I love both of those songs, though. I don't know what's wrong with Andy Warhol because it was a great song. So Andy, wherever you are up there, give it another listen. You can find me online at Instagram. It's at James underscore Ippolitti. You can also find me on TikTok at The Songsmith Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at James Ippolitti. And I'm also on YouTube at James Ippolitti. Go follow me because it really does mean the world to me for you guys to come and pay a little bit of attention to new music. I don't you know, uh, I don't want to be that kind of guy who just listens to Led Zeppelin. And I love Led Zeppelin. But, you know, I, I love discovering new music and new artists. And we need to do that to keep music alive. We can't just keep uh, listening to classic rock. At least I can't. Um, I need to hear new stuff. And I think if you're here, you also love to discover new music. So visit me each week to discover new music. Remember those playlists, the Songsmith Podcast, Season 1. You can find all the artists that have been on the show and everyone coming up. So it's a cool thing to kind of subscribe to that podcast or that playlist. I don't know. However that works, you save that playlist. And then every week you'll have a new song on there, uh, discovering new artists. And it's so cool because you can dig real deep. Because if you just tap on the name of the artist, it'll say go to the album or go to the artist. So many cool things you can do. So I want to get right into this conversation. I talked a lot. I hope you're still with me. Um, remember, pay what you can. Kiss off kiss. Do it. Do it. It's your homework. I expect all of you to do that because you can pay something. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. That's enough. Let's get to the show. Thank you for turning me on. My guest today is Erin McKeown, musician, writer, and producer known internationally for her prolific disregard of stylistic boundaries. Over the last 20 years, she has performed around the world, released 10 full-length albums, and written for film, television, and theater. Last week, she released her 11th studio album, Kiss Off Kiss. Erin, welcome to the show. I appreciate you coming on and talking with me. Yeah, it's my, it's my pleasure. I look forward to whatever we're going to get into. All right. Well, let's talk about why did you call it Kiss Off Kiss? I know there's a song on, the, on there called Kiss Off Kiss. Um, is there a story behind that, that title, or is it just you like the way it sounded? Well, um, I was thinking about the, the concept of a kiss off, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, uh, a kind of a, like, uh, can we, can we cuss on this podcast? Absolutely. Okay. Right. Um, which is kind of, you know, like a fuck you and a right. kind of like mic drop and kind of like a, you know, like, Hey baby, like you're the one that missed out, you know, that, that sort of thing. And, um, so I was thinking about writing a song about that and thinking about that phrase. And, um, and then I think I was just working on that song and instead of stopping with just, this is a kiss off, I, I think I just, something in my brain was like a kiss off kiss, you know, like I'm always into like, um, 
word patterns and sounds and things like that. But then I thought, right, well, the meaning of a kiss off kiss is uh, is really interesting to me, right? Because it's um, it's kind of a both and, yeah. kind of a gray area, which really describes me. I'm I'm a Libra and like I'm just I always want it like both ways. Always. And um and uh and I don't really like confrontation very much. So like a kiss off kiss to me got real interesting when I started to think about it. it's like it's like, no no go away, come here, go away, come here or like I'm gonna like try to say fuck you nicely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. The first thing that came to my mind was the Violent Femmes with the, their song "Kiss Off." Of course, yeah, of it's such a great song, and the energy of that album, I think, is definitely goes throughout this whole this whole album. I love the idea that you task yourself to write a bunch of songs from one specific moment in time. Yes, that's right. I I had a very short, intimate relationship with someone that was like four dates over maybe three months or four months, like not, not that many months. And, um, and it was back in 2018 and I, I kind of thought I was over it or done with it and not, not thinking about it much. And then the pandemic hit and I had a moment to like pause and, and I all of a sudden realized that I was kind of haunted, haunted by this relationship, especially the way that it ended. And, um, so I was like, how many songs, can I get out of these <laughs> four dates, <laughs> essentially, and um, as a as a game, you know, and um, and that's that's how that's the impetus of of how it started to write. And I, I also appreciate your comment about the Violent Femmes because that was like some of the first music that I learned. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I knew I couldn't call the album Kiss Off, obviously, because that's you know the, the minute you name an album, the first thing you do is Google it. But I already knew that like that wasn't a possible name. Um, but I do really like this sort of scrappy uh energy of that record yeah that is an amazing record you got some tons of influences that i can feel listening to this i mean we're going from just like punk to pop to dare i say disco almost like in some of this stuff sure yeah there's some of it yeah Yeah, there's definitely 70s in there i really like it's it's weird like i i uh I get a lot of people send me stuff, but this was like from beginning to end. Well, first I heard Cupido Stupido, which I love that name too. But that <laughs> song is like an instant, like you cannot like put that song on and not instantly love it. Like, did it start oh, with the that's like, great. Da, 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 no, like let it, me tell you how that started. Yeah. Oh, you're going to appreciate, you'll appreciate this. Um, I have been in a weekly songwriting group for years, and I'm sure I'm probably not the first of your guests to like t- to say that, right? That's just part of my songwriting practice for years. And um, it's run by an amazing musician called Matt the Electrician, and, uh, and it's probably – it's kind of a rotating group of us, but there's usually about 15 or 16 people that are in it at a time, and I've been in it since 2014, okay. off and on, right? So Matt, Matt never misses a week, but I'll go and I'll do 11, 12 weeks in a row, sometimes – you know, um, a bunch of months in a row, maybe every once in a while, if I can get one in. Um, but he sends a prompt every week and you have to turn in a song using that prompt by Friday midnight. Right. And the point is to just write shitty songs, honestly, like they, it's just like, it's don't try to write a masterpiece. Just like use the thing and turn it in. And, um, and I, I just, I, that is at the core of my creative philosophy, right. Is just like, keep making stuff, right. None of it is precious. And, um, so, you know, starting in, I bet the first time 
the song the song group is called the game um so i bet the first time game songs show up in my music is like i made a pair of vps in 2016 and 2017 and they're almost all game songs right so like you write something shitty you turn it in on a friday and then you maybe go back after a few months and of those 10 or 12 songs you like are like what are the least shitty ones of those and try to make them better right and then that's what ends up on the record so all the way back to Cupido Stupido, um, that was a game song. So the prompt for that was reinvents Cupid. And you know, you get these prompts sometimes where you're just like, what the fuck do I do with that? Right? Like it's a terrible set of syllables to sing and how are you going to rhyme that? And, um, you know, some people will use the prompt as the first line. Some people will use it later in the song. For Cupido Stupido, I basically made it the apex of the song, right? So right. it's the punchline of the bridge. So we're working our way, trying to get to that sentence <laughs> through the first half of the song and then sort of restate the facts later. But um, um, I made a little drum beat on my phone which is my favorite songwriting tool. I have a little kid's um, drum machine on my phone. Wow. And I just make little beats on it and just start playing the guitar to it. And I remember sitting on my porch. um, I made that beat that's on there. Um, I think we had... I'm trying to remember the recording. We we had our actual drummer play the beat that I wrote on my phone. Um, but I remember sitting on my porch with my little, you know, boom, 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 thing yeah. going. And uh, with my acoustic guitar, and I just was like, da, 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 da. I just was like, I'll replace that later. No. And uh, <laughs> and never did. And never did. And how many, you know, that's also a super common songwriter story. But, yeah. um, you know, I was like, reinvents Cupid. And, um, you know, I... I I could relate to that line because like this is a a theme that goes through the record but like I I just like don't I don't want to be in love right it's a pain in the ass it takes up my time I have other things I want to do and there's just the the problem is you can't control it right <laughs> you know what I mean like you just meet the person you meet and the thing happens and I just generally look at it as like oh all right here we go there's not much I can do about it so so the reinvents cupid was speaks to my effort to like not fall for people not like have this happen and of course it's it's totally hopeless it right just, it just happens there's nothing you can do about it yeah and and it makes you stupid you know that's it what totally i love about it does. it really well, does and i was I just mean, like yeah and i just think i think saying the words cupido stupido just makes me laugh because it's just like it is really the dumbest thing and and you know i mean the song is basically like what well yeah what can you what can you do about it? you think you're so smart you think you can get around this you think you can like you know subvert like complete human nature of billions of years and like you are not that right smart. nobody's figured it In out fact, yet yeah you you're know? stupido is what yeah. you are. <laughs> so <laughs> when you talk go back to the game when you present it is it just like you bring in an acoustic and, and singing it for the group or do you record no, it's, stuff it's for the literally group? like yeah it's like you just do a voice memo on your phone and send it to the email list it's not even that that technical it's like literally the email list we have to remember to cc everybody when you respond um and it's not a group for feedback right it's not people people don't don't um, as a group like critique like what what you turned in every once in a while like as you'll send something in and someone might send you a personal email that's like oh like this one but like it's it's not really um, people don't say like I I think you could improve the bridge by doing this or it's not like that which is really great because I I don't need that what I need is like the weekly discipline yes the you know 
I, I don't feel bad when I don't do it, but the emails build up in your inbox. And so there is a, a, a pressure to it of like, did you participate this week? If you didn't, why didn't you? Oh. And, um, yeah. So, so, so what, you, do you have like a favorite worst song you created from there? Yeah, totally. Oh man. I have this one that I've been playing a lot recently that it's not, I mean, it didn't make it on the record. It's, I think I wrote it after the record was done. Um, what was the prompt? Um, the prompt was styles of deadpan. <laughs> Which is That's like so what, difficult. What do you, yeah. How are you going to write that song? So, um, I just, I stole a guitar riff from what someone sent in the week before for some other prompt. Some, a friend of mine, Natalia Zuckerman sent this like awesome guitar riff for whatever the week before's prompt was. And I was like, I'm stealing that. So I took that guitar riff and, um, wrote, um, a little story about a straight man and their um, like goofball comedy partner, and <laughs> and so then so then I I'm singing as the straight man talking to my comedy partner, basically telling them like how great they are and how we can't do it alone. And at the end, I rhymed vaudevillian with styles of deadpan. Which is terrible. Wow. <laughs> but I love the song. Like, it's like such a bouncy guitar part. Again, I stole it from my friend. Right. And I, I have such a fun time singing it. And it's such a, like, if you, I've, I've been using it at shows a lot where I, you know, to explain the game to the audience and talk to people about the, um, the prompt. And, and it's really fun when you tell an audience what the prompt is because they're listening in a, yeah. in a much closer way. Like, where's it coming? Is it coming now? Is that the rhyme that's going to set it up? And, um, and it's because it's the last line of the song. And it's such a terrible rhyme. It always gets like a really great laugh. That's good. You know, I really think that is the way to create is to just, I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter if you're an artist, like a writer, just try to write something and don't worry about it being good or bad. That's the, that's where you're going to yeah. get stuck. No, you just got to do it all the time. There's, there's nothing pleasurable about being a writer or a creator of any, of any sort. There really isn't like you, like there might be things around that are pleasurable, which is like, maybe you like playing stuff for an audience, or maybe you enjoy getting to go on a podcast and talk about something, but like the actual like work of it Craft, is really, yeah. yeah, it's really, really work and you have to do it all the time and it's not fun. And it only the only way it's ever going to be remotely fun or even slightly easier is if you do it a lot. So yeah. you just have to and like, I think having that, it's almost like a weird support group you're going to when you totally like, <laughs> like just a bunch of people who understand you and what you're struggling with. Yeah. Well, and, and that particular week we are struggling with the phrase styles of deadpan yeah. together. I, I think we, I would have, um, I would have called out that week. Well, it's that. funny because um, we did, um, you know, the, the pandemic made um, all of a sudden everybody got really good at streaming and um, at these like, you know, multi-video platforms. So yep. I did a, I did a bunch of uh, live streaming shows in the in the pandemic and um, I did them with people from the game and we made the game the theme of it. So we would get on a songwriting round, you know, uh, for a venue and we would all of us play our styles of deadpan song or all of us play our whatever it was, the prompt. And so it was really, you know, there's four of us on a round, for example, and then you hear four songs that that started from the same kernel of the idea. And yeah. it's so cool to see that. what each of us do. Yeah, that's awesome. So what about this? unexpected gift that kiss off kiss is um 
I wish I, I have a feeling like every songwriter is going to be like, or, you know, artists like, how, how can that happen <laughs> to me? Yeah. Well, basically what happened is that, um, a friend of mine, just a, you know, normal friend of mine, um, was, uh, born into a family that had made like, uh, a, like a widget for an airplane or something and a successful manufacturing company. And, and this friend was born with, you know, family wealth and stock in the company. And then the company was sold. Um, you know, and my, my friend is, um, is older and they were, the company was sold. And so they came into this like wealth, right. And they're decided to give it away essentially. So I received early March, 2020, before the pandemic, I received, um, a form, a form letter in the mail and a check, like a big check, um, from this person saying, this is where the wealth came from. This is the land that was exploited to make it. This is the people that were exploited to make it. Um, here's who I'm giving it to. If this format isn't good for you, let me think of another format. Um, basically, and, and then tied to their spiritual practice of giving. And, um, you know, I, I received that letter and that check. And my first thought, my first thought was, I hope someday to be able to send a letter like this, right? It was just like, there's just an incredible thing that my yeah, friend so, was doing. Yeah. So responsibly done. And so, um, set up in this, such a thoughtful way that like I could receive this gift with joy. Right. And, um, and then my second thought was really a stupid thought, which was, I'm going to make a record with this which is like the dumbest thing you can do with a pile of money. Like it, you just can't like, it's just, maybe. you're not, maybe apparently not. Cause I did it. I bet, <laughs> but, but you know, like at the beginning of the pandemic, I wasn't thinking like I should save this for a down payment on a house. <laughs> I should pay off some loans with it. I was, I was just like, Oh my God, now I can make a record. Right. And, um, and so then when the record was finished, I really wanted this gift to be part of the story of the record. And I wanted to figure out how I could use the record to keep this gift moving forward. Right. I can't, I can't write a form letter and send giant checks to people right now. What could I do? So I basically decided to make the digital version of the album, pay what you want, um, pay what you can. And then all the money that is in that pot at the end of 2021, I will micro grant in $500 increments to people that are nominated. So basically like if you're listening to this and there's someone in your community that you just feel like could use 500 bucks, not an organization, we're not giving like 500 bucks to the ACLU. We're like right. giving it to your neighbor who you think deserves it, not even deserves it, needs it. And you want to be part of that generosity. So, um, you can just write me an email, Aaron at Aaron com. And just tell me about somebody that you think should receive this money. And, you know, I hope to be able to give like four or five of them. That's, that's my hope. And, um, I'm not sure, you know, if I get more than four or five nominations then I'll have to like, I'll have to make some decisions. Um, and I, you know, I look forward to being able to make a decision that could help somebody just, you know, in a short term, small way. That's amazing. That's a beautiful story. Um, it is the, a beautiful story, isn't it? It's really like it, it's it makes me feel, it's, it makes like, me feel so much better about the music business. My first thought would be this is fake. Like that didn't pop in your head? <laughs> no, no, no. Because it was, you know, it said like my friend had written in handwriting at the top, you know, oh, okay. dear, you know, dear, dear Aaron. And then it was a, and then it was a form letter, but, but, uh, and then at the end, you know, XOXO friend. And, um, but, but 
the fact that the explanation of it was a form letter was actually like to, to me like really what was part of what was beautiful about it right because it wasn't like hey you i see that your shoes aren't um as nice as they used to be it was very like you're part of a larger thing you are part of a group that i'm trying to support which includes artists which includes activists which includes family members um it was just done in such a way that i could receive it with joy that's amazing so it is amazing it's and and this record would not have happened without it because i'm at a point in my career where um i am you know there's only a certain amount of my own money that I'm willing to put into a record anymore, right? I have other financial priorities. I have other right. financial responsibilities. And um, everybody knows you don't really get that money back. So I have paid for the manufacturing and the promotion and everything of this record through my through my label. But the actual recording of it and creation of it would not have happened without this chunk of money. So, uh, Has your friend heard the album? Yeah, 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 they have. Yeah. They're, they're, I, I think they're humbled. Um, I, I, they know that I appreciate it. Um, I think it's also, you know, part of the letter was, um, I, I hope this doesn't change our relationship, but I know it might. And, but I'm giving you this money anyway, you know, and, um, and it hasn't changed our relationship. It's been a really, it's actually just been a, a deepening of our friendship. Um, and, um, yeah, and I, 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 I can't, I can't say more for how they, how they feel about it. I, I don't know, but I know that they like the record and they're, they're proud of me, and they're happy to see that I've been able to put something out into the world. That's good. Yeah, it's good that they liked it. You know, if they didn't like it, then <laughs> I, I know that David Bowie wrote. Um, That's really funny. A, a song for Bob Dylan, and Bob Dylan didn't like it. So, did nothing happen with the song. Well, the song's on Hunky Dory. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I think it's called "Song for Dylan" or something. But it, it's. Uh, I, I like the song a lot. I just think that I don't know why Bob Dylan didn't like it, but yeah, you know. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So, where is that available? On my website and Bandcamp. Okay. So if right, you good. do, so if you do it at Bandcamp or you do it on my website directly, um, that's it. You know, I can't make. Uh, Spotify, Apple right, Music. Yeah. I can't make Amazon. I can't make them do pay what you want, pay what you can. Right. That's um, what I was wondering when I first said, I was like, how is that happening? You know, but yeah, yeah that well, makes sense now. Yeah. I mean, and, and really when you think about it, like um, it's, it's really, it's really just an opportunity for people to give, to, for people to give because yeah. you don't have to pay for music in 2021. Nobody does. Um you know, and so you're if you're already like imagining paying for music, you're already in the mindset of like this is here to help someone. So I just want to underline this idea of this is just to underline that. So because yeah. um, obviously, like you can go and listen to my album somewhere, and you probably even you know download it somewhere without ever having to pay for it. Um, which is which is just is what it is. I'm not. Yeah, I wonder how. I don't know that. how prevalent that is now. I know back in the Napster days it was, but now it's so much easier if you have Spotify, like to just yeah. Listen. But to me, I mean, to me, essentially, if you're listening on Spotify, you're not paying for music. I mean, you're paying your monthly ten dollars, yeah. but you're not paying me, um, right? That, yeah, which the way Spotify works. So, um, in in something like ten dollars a month, I, I think for most people, ten dollars a month is something they forget about. You know what I mean? It's not. Um, it's not an expression of worth. <laughs> right. Exactly. You gave yourself a task to do this 
multiple songs based on one moment. Is this something you normally do for albums? Do you have like a theme that you think about or is this rare that you've done that? No, there's always been themes. I think um, uh, just from the beginning, I'm someone that that needs um, uh, I I like limitations, right? So if you so if I give most of the time, I'm giving them to myself. But um, you know, my first record, which came out in 2000, is called Distillation, and it's basically a record about um, adventures and drinking. With you know that is all, that record is also about one person, <laughs> um, so the um, you know so it was like about like the adventures with this one person and drinking, and then the next record I made was about um, Judy Garland, oh. and then the next record after that was a was a breakup. Where you know so I'm kind of alternating between like people story people story, and uh, you know I spent seven seven years um, writing a musical that came out in 2018 and so this um i spent seven years um using my uh skills in service of a story that wasn't about me um and wasn't necessarily even about my community um gladly and happily and it was you know an honor to be able to do that and so then i'm not surprised that like i just like rip off like 13 songs about (laughs) about my little wounded heart um uh, so the person a, that that wounded heart was about for this kiss off are are they aware that this album was created from the four so. dates? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. You think they're like I, pining, like thinking about you and like probably not. No, no? I have a feeling. Mm. No, you I like have a fall not. really hard for people like that. Yeah, that's what I do. It is. You just I mean, like I go always, full in. That's the problem. That's why I try to keep it from happening. Yeah, but then uh, you wouldn't have the, an album. No, I know. Well, the, there you go. I and mean, that's one of my favorite lines on the record, which is like, it's better to have loved and lost and never made an album. That's right. <laughs> you know, so or it's better to have loved and lost and then you make an album than never to have loved and lost and never made an album. Yeah. Right. So, um, but no, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they think of it. We're not in touch. So, okay. um, okay. I, yeah, I, I, I'm, so far, I haven't heard anything. <laughs> <laughs> so the hope, though, you said that you hope um, that basically it's just uh, a good time, the album. Yeah. And yeah. and I do, like I said, it's it's very rare for me to go from beginning to end and just enjoy the hell out of something. Um, usually it's like, okay, I can skip this one. But this this is like really is a good time. What do you think it that made that happen for this album? Like... Is it just well? I'm I know that with I... COVID, if you wrote it with COVID, were you doing this like everybody separated? Like who else? Who are the artists on the album? Well, basically, um, the summer of 2020 for me was like the greatest summer of my life since I was a kid, because I live alone in a cabin in the woods that I hate to leave, and so then we had this whole moment where everybody had to be at home. And I was just like, this is fine with me. I was fortunate enough to, um, have a teaching job that I was doing online. Um, I was fortunate enough to be financially stable at that moment to, you know, be able to weather the, I had planned on that part of 2020 being a downtime for me. So I was, I was cool with all of it and I was just really happy. 
And I think that the energy of these songs, even though it's about this like fraught situation and like, do they know about the album? Do they not know about the album? We're not in touch. Like whatever that was happening. But the energy that you hear on this record is really just like, I was just really happy. Like I would just get up every day. It was like, go take a walk, take a swim and then sit down with my guitar and my little drum machine and just like write, write, write. And then go over to this spot. I'm talking to you from here and sit in front of my logic and play all the instruments on the demo. And, um, it just was like what I wish my life could be like all the time. Yeah. And it comes across. Well, I'm glad that it comes across. And I say that, I also say that with, you know, a couple caveats, which is, which is that like, um, the pandemic is much harder for me now. <laughs> I'm having less of a fun time with the pandemic now than I was last summer. Right. So there's that. And um but I do feel like the other thing I would say about it is that like I'm glad that I was able to experience some joy in the pandemic and other people were able to experience some joy in it. Again, like like somebody's gotta like carry the weight, right? Yeah. And so like it's my contribution now that like, okay, I got this like really happy object that I can put out into the world and I made it when other people were, you know, having a harder time and that's okay. Right. Absolutely. So we work, we work together in that way. Um, the players on the album, the album was produced by Steve Berlin, who has worked with Los Lobos for 40 years. And wow. I just love that band. And um, I love his work and always wanted to work with him. And I basically, I, I, I gave him the check that my friend gave me. You know what I mean? Like I essentially said, this is yep. how much Here money go, I have. Yep. Yeah, I, I have no more. I have no less. What can you do with this amount of money? And um, a couple of now, weeks later. Did you know him prior to this? No, not really. We had met like 10 years ago at a... Um, uh, an artist activist retreat in New Orleans. So we sort of knew who each other were and he worked with a bunch of my friends on different projects. So, um, but I got his number, maybe, maybe I cold emailed him. Maybe I got his number from one of his previous clients, but we, I sent him my demos. We had one phone call and at the end of that phone call. It was like, okay, let's do this. But what was you it know? that about him besides Los Lobos? Like what, like, cause it's you right. have this check now, right? You can say, yeah. you know, Let's call it Rick Rubin or something. Like what? what was it? <laughs> it wasn't that big a check. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Steve Berlin size check, um, <laughs> but uh, that's that's no slag on Steve. Steve, I mean Steve. No, no, amazing. but I'm saying I'm sure there's a lot of producers in that check range. Yeah. So I um, one is that Steve's work with Los Lobos is about rhythm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's it's just always so rhythmic. And um, in in the way he produces and hears music, like the rhythm is always like top there. And it's not it's not always the drums, but it's often the drums, Mm -hmm. you know, or the way the drums and the guitars interplay with each other creates like rhythm. And that's just something that I I've always loved doing, have done on my other records and thought would be good for these songs. Right. Because they're just like I don't mean this in a demeaning way, but they're just like a little rock songs. Right. And it's just like guitars and drums and like, what can we do with guitars and drums? Which is like a beautiful question we've been asking for 75 years. Right. And um, so that was one thing about it. And um, and then also just vibe. Like he's he's like a vibe guy. Mm. And like, I don't know. I don't know what that is or how you get it or it's not it's not my it's not my on my creative palette you know what i mean i'm a little more cerebral maybe about it um but he just makes a record that feels like something and that you Mm -hmm. were in a place and um and i don't know how he does it but that's what i wanted and that i think that's what 
I think that's what we got. He, you know, hired some dudes that he trusts and play together all the time. And he found an incredible studio and he, um, hired an engineer, not knowing that it was an engineer that I've worked with on two other records and know really well. So that was really fun. Yeah. So that he's, his instinct to hire Brandon Eggleston was a good one because I've made two records with him already and we're, and we're friends. Um, so that was a fun phone call to get from Brandon. I was like, Hey dude, I'm doing your record. So (laughs) that was, that was cool. But, but he put all those things together. And then when we were in the studio, I I've never seen someone who is like more excited by like sounds, right? So he'd like have his head like right up to the amp, like so happy, like twiddling the amp knobs and like talking to people about, well, what if you put this pedal here in the chain? And what about this knob on this pedal? And do you have one of these? Do you have that? And um, every song, every person like that, he was looking at their sound and looking at their um, chain, signal chain, and like which drums do you want to use? And, and, um, and it was just like meticulous and cool and he was so happy doing it and um and i just was like do your thing like if this is how a vibe record happens like great you just do your thing so um i i think part of that feeling of being able to listen to it from beginning to end also comes from that right because he 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 did his job in that sense of keeping a big picture in mind so that all the songs like fit together sonically. Um, yeah. They don't all sound the same, but like you, you feel like you want to go one, one to the next. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, um, did you bring to the, the, the band saying, all right, I want this to sound sort of like punkish or like, or, or was like your demos, did they have that vibe or was it yeah. in no, the, the studio demos- where, no, the demos um, were, and I have always done this just because I, I'm like, from the time I was like 13 or 14, I just have, you know, back in the day, like loved four tracking, you know what I mean? And like, that's I part sucked of, at it though. Oh, I was so, uh, I I was so into it. I had a one. Yeah, me too. four track and yeah. oh man, I have tapes still and I listen to it with my friends like, remember when we recorded this and it sounds so bad. <laughs> I was really into it. That's how I learned how to sing harmony. That's how I learned how to play lead guitar. Um, I even like got into like turning things backwards and like subbing two tracks down to one and like i just that's just what i did in high school and it was really fun i was really into it and that's just carried through like in terms of my um essentially for lack of a better word now like composing career which is i just play all the instruments on the demo and Mm -hmm. they're they're is a vibe that's part of that, right? You know, I'm just working in logic with a really simple situation, but you could choose so many of the different parameters, you know, like Mm -hmm. what kind of drum kit, what kind of guitar sounds, what kind of bass sound, um, what's the vocal arrangement. And like all of that is all information that dictates that, that spirit, um, of what's happening with the song. So if I sat down and, and played, um, Cupido Stupido for you on the acoustic guitar in the studio, like we're missing 90% of my intention with that song. You're getting the melody and you're getting like the chord pattern, but you're mm-hmm. not getting the, um, the petulance. <laughs> you're not getting the, the impatience. You're not getting the irony in the same sense. Um, so the players that Steve hired, um, did me the the great respect of learning the parts that I wrote exactly as I wrote them and then sort of animating them and enlivening them um, and making them their own. But those, but those drum parts are, you know, if you heard the demos of these songs, you're like, Oh yeah, that's the Cupido beat, which, you know, came came from my phone. Um, But it was really, uh, it was really great to have musicians. You know, I, I, I'm not, 
I, I know that I'm a very good musician, um, but it was really nice to have musicians, uh, colleagues and peers of high caliber be say, say like, that's a cool bass part. And I'm like, well, thank you. Yes. I wrote that, yeah. You know, um, which, yeah, that song, you know, I, I'm telling you that, that Cupido, Stupido, I'll say it instead of Cupido, Stupido, that's. Uh, how I read well, which it, one's but... more fun to say? <laughs> well, your way you is think... much more fun yeah. to say. Cupido, yeah. stupido. Yes. Cupido, stupido. They, they, I can see that as like, to me, it's like a 90s sort of like movie, like soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Something a little reality that would be like, you know, 10 Things I Hate About You, like that being yeah. in the background. It, if Hollywood doesn't find that song, they're stupid. They're stupido. <laughs> they're stupido. <laughs> yeah, because it's so good. It's just right, right out of the gate. It's a great song. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, you, I, you can find me on any of the social medias. If you just do Aaron and then MCK, you're going to get – you'll find me. There's what do you feel like has changed? You said like your first album was like 2000 and now it's 2021. Do you – how, what has changed for you as a musician, recording artist um, in those 20 years? Do you find it easier now or harder than it was? Um, it's hard because if I mean, the real comparison would be is if I was 22 this year, the same way that I was 22 in 2000. Right. Because because uh, there's so much of the way that stuff changes that's tied to aging and life and just like growing up and changing priorities. Um, but I would say like, just the, the short answer is, is money. Like that's, that's just right. the difference. Like I just can't, um, make the same living off the same amount of work and records sold now that I did 20 years ago. Um, and that's not to say I'm trying to find a shortcut or trying to work less or whatever it is. Like I work just as hard. Um, but it's just, it's just the, this, I mean, this is, I mean, this has been going on now for, for a number of years, but there just right. isn't the money that's there. Um, and I, I also completely understand that. Like I spend my money on my internet service provider every month and my streaming services. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, so that's, you know, what my cable bill is like $150 a month. And then I have two or three streaming services, which is like say $40 a month. And like you used to spend that on music, Right. But now right. I spend it on on that every month because I super loved Mare of Easttown. I want to be able to watch it. Oh, my God. Or, that's so good. Isn't that a you good show? Like, so that's good. all I and do is I watch, like, cable TV. Like, that's – I don't buy records. I don't go to concerts. Like, you know, I'm a person in their mid-40s, and it's no longer interesting to me to stand in a rock club. So I totally get it if people my age don't want to come to my show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of that, you are going to be touring, correct? Yes. Starting in October, Pe people right? People should come to my show. <laughs> I sure hope so. Well, you'll be in Philly, which I'm in Philly. So. Oh, cool. You should come. Yeah, you should come because uh, I have be a so fun cool band. To see that. I have a fun band for that show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of Mayor of Easttown, the, the Philly thing is part of that. And I, it's funny because I was watching it and then someone said, oh, how about her accent? And I was like, I, what accent? Like, I don't yeah. even hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my family, um, my father's family is from. Um, Wilkesbury, and yeah. um, so I know that's not Delco, but like it's it's similar um, and a similar accent, and um, I just enjoyed that show. I mean, I love Kate Winslet, but I just thought it was so compelling and so fun to watch. And um, yeah, I don't know, great. like I I that's the storytelling I'm interested in right now. It's like you know, I just went and did Friday Night Lights all over again. Um, you know, like that's. 
And if there's music in any of those things, that's how I'm discovering music these days, right? Because I'm not, uh, that's just, that's just where I'm at in my life. And, um, you know, that's, I think that's, that's a big, uh, that's a big change from 2000 where we were discovering music through like a sampler in a magazine, maybe, um, maybe, Napster uh, radio yeah, and, and not totally through radio. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, but to go back to my original thought about, it, which is just that like, I'm, I'm a different person 20 years later. Right. Um, what I want out of, uh, my music career, you know, I really loved making the musical. I love teaching. Um, I certainly, I loved making this record. Um, and, and it's just one piece of all these things that I do now. Yeah. And do you feel like your songs, uh, obviously songwriting matures, you know, as you do it, but are your, your stories like, th it's interesting because being in your forties and writing about something about a four date, like, you know, <laughs> failed relationship is also, I mean, that, I think, well, no one, I guess no one listening is thinking it's been four dates, but that's just the fun part of the story. But, <laughs> but an entire breakup album, um, could it be for teenagers or older people? It really doesn't well, matter. Well, yeah, because I'm getting into the stage now where people are like losing their first marriage, <laughs> starting to right. work on their second. That's right. That's so, right. you know, I have friends that are getting divorced and like finding out, you know, so, um, so it, it is, it could be useful for that as well. Um, I think it's funny to also to imagine like, I mean, I do think it's a breakup album, but I think it's funny to imagine a breakup album after four after four dates because it's like, were you together? Does that count? It's like, can you break up? I, I think that <laughs> is why it, it feels so fun and light is almost yeah. because it's not coming from this dark place oh, yeah, where right, you were right. with somebody for like ever and yeah. all of a sudden they're gone. They took everything. You know, like that's... <laughs> they took everything. You know, it... it, it yeah. It's just yeah. a four-date breakup album, which is just beautiful. It's just, uh, you know, uh, probably the first of its kind. I think so. And I really appreciate you saying that because um, cause I, I, I have I, – I, I made a record in 2005 that was a breakup record. And it was like the breakup record about like my first big relationship in life. Like if you imagine like your sort of, your sort of post-college first like real adult relationship, maybe the first time you live with someone, it was that relationship for me. And when it broke up, it was like – it was like, oh my God, people can break up. There wasn't the one that's going to be here forever. Mm -hmm. Like it was that kind of crush, crushing Yeah, that hard experience. realization. Yep, exactly. And that's what that record was about. And it's not a light record. Um, so <laughs> there's something about being in your 40s too, where you just realize, most people realize that there's going to be more than one person. You know, it's right. very rare. I mean, I, I do have the person I wrote my musical with. She's with her high school boyfriend, um, which more power to them. It's incredible. But I know very few people like that. Yeah, that's um, very rare. It's very rare. And um, just the, the realistic piece of it that's like, it's just you're just going to break up and and we don't have to be heavy about it all the time. I mean, obviously, some are more painful than others. But, yeah, let's keep this one light. So are you thinking of doing more musicals or was that a one time thing? I would definitely do more musicals if there's the right opportunity. Um, they're so expensive to make and so hard to develop because they need such financial infrastructure um, right. to get them made that um, they're they're very hard to get off the ground and really rare. So if the right opportunity came up for me again, I absolutely would do it. Um, and I, I have, you know, 
one of my own sitting on a shelf somewhere that um, maybe someday I'll get down from the shelf and it'll be the right situation to try to develop it. But um, absolutely, if it's the right um, situation. And the same thing about making more records. Like, I'll, I'll make more records if it ends up, you know, if it's the right situation. As the yeah. as this was, you know, this was the like confluence of this gift from my friend, the time from the pandemic, something really good to write about, um, and I I have to say I think it turned out pretty good. <laughs> it did turn out really well. You know, you got it. You got to really hand it to yourself because I have. It's been a question that comes up all the time, but with songwriters uh, and artists in general, what did you do during, during the pandemic? You know, like what was it? A lot of people are coming out with some dark things, you know? And I'm so happy that somebody was like writing something cuz I felt the same way, like it felt like this extended snow day for me. And totally. I my wife was like just saying to me like you loved it like in the beginning. Again, now it's like all right, I'm I'm over it, but in the beginning I was just writing and playing and had a I I can't even tell you how many puzzles I made. I love puzzles. Yeah. I did a puzzle almost every day. Well, I started, I decided to, um, to get good at the New York times crossword puzzle. Like Ooh. that was my, that was my pandemic. Um, I mean, I've always been a semi-regular doer of it, always a kind of a Monday, Tuesday, no problem person. But I was like, I'm going to see if I can work my way to get all the way through the week. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm on a 24 day streak right now, That's which means amazing. like two Saturdays. Two Sundays, like, and, but that's like, you know, you did puzzles every day. I did crosswords every day. We look how we're improving. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on. You're such a joy to talk to. Thanks, James. Um, I'm so happy because like the, the energy uh, from the album came across in real life. It's just like a pleasure to hear you and speak with you. And anytime you're doing anything, I'd love to have you back on. I would love that too. Thank you so much for your big ears and your enthusiasm. Absolutely.